Welcome, everybody, to the NPCs podcast and the weekly news roundup. For the week of June 23rd, 2023, here is what's making headlines. Microsoft versus the FTC in court over the Activision Blizzard acquisition. June Nintendo Direct recap. Roblox will now allow 17 plus rated content in game. And social and casual gaming still found to be decimating console gaming. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, for the weekly news roundup, I am joined by none other than Kyle Inman himself. Kyle, hello. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, you know, uh, actually, I, I still don't know. I never know how to answer that question. I never know how I'm like, you know, how things are going, how things are doing, you know, just living day to day and and watching people in Red Rocks get pelted by hail and then watch like half of Denver completely get decimated by a tornado. And then, you know, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, you know. Yeah. And, and the FTC tearing Microsoft apart and all sorts of madness in the in the news with uh with games and and all of a sudden a Nintendo Direct that we didn't expect um well everyone was expecting just um we couldn't pinpoint i guess when it was was going to actually happen yeah yeah exactly a lot of good things announced there but yeah let's start off this week's news roundup with that very first thing you're talking about Microsoft versus the FTC in court over the Activision Blizzard acquisition. So of course, Microsoft is still trying to reach that final goalpost as it relates to their acquisition of Activision Blizzard King, which they were hoping to close literally by the middle of this coming week. Um, unfortunately, it looks like they're not going to be hitting that deadline due to all the different litigation and whatnot going on surrounding said acquisition. Of course, right now they're in the midst of fighting up against the FTC, that is the United States Federal Trade Commission, in regards to their, uh, in regards to their lawsuit that stopped the acquisition in its tracks. So, of course, the actual court, uh, all the hearings and stuff started up yesterday, uh, for, a. For everybody, of course, that would be Thursday the 22nd. It's Friday the 23rd for us. Uh, that all started up on Thursday. And there was a lot of stuff that ended up actually getting dropped pretty quick about the, uh, like, uh, with everything going on here in the merger. And I think the biggest smoking gun that we actually had here right off the bat, like, this came within about, I think, the first 10 to 15 minutes of it actually starting is, uh, and thanks to The Verge for this, for their live blog while they uh, this was going on, they went and said, Sony's PlayStation chief privately said Microsoft's Activision deal wasn't about Xbox exclusives. Uh, so apparently in this revelation, uh, The Verge goes on to write, Sony's PlayStation chief Jim Ryan believed that Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard wasn't about locking games as Xbox exclusives, according to a newly unsealed email. Microsoft counsel revealed the exchange between Ryan and Chris Deering, former CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment, discussing the announcement of the deal last year. Quote, it is not an exclusivity play at all, said Ryan. They're thinking bigger than that, and that, uh, and they have the cash to make moves like this. I spent a fair amount of time with both Phil, being Phil Spencer, and Bobby, Bobby Kotick, over the past day, and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for many years to come. I mean, I, I don't even need to start going into any of the other stuff yet, but the fact, though, that every single thing that's been going on with this acquisition across the world and all the fights that Sony has put up here, I mean... This is kind of heavy right off the bat and kind of hits at Sony's initial argument anyway, that they're not worried about it. Well, if they're not, now what is going on? Why are they acting like this? Yeah, it it's just bizarre. It, it, and I don't know. I, I still feel like they're they're kind of waffling on the whole topic uh, because on, on one page they'll they'll be saying oh you know it, it's not about call of duty but then it, it's all about call of duty and the fact that you know if if microsoft weren't to or were to acquire uh the company then they wouldn't be able to share certain things with microsoft uh such as the uh upcoming consoles uh from playstation like a playstation 6 um so it, i i i don't know it it it's just weird how how they're they're trying to approach it. They like they're almost trying to divert away from the subject or 
kind of uh, say, no, it's this reason, no, it's this reason, but never really provide any any true insight of of why they actually feel this way. Yeah, there, it's it's really bizarre on this one, especially because of the egg in their face in regards to like exclusivity stuff. Because mm-hmm. we just learned, of course, recently that PlayStation actually paid Square Enix to keep uh, Final Fantasy 16 exclusive to the PlayStation Five, and that's why we never saw anything for the Xbox being announced when that game uh, was first announced too. So. A, ve- a very big revelation there. Um, of course, things carry on, though, and kind of get a little weird here. I guess, apparently, um, there's a lot of back and forth on this in regards to the Nintendo Switch as well, too, because there's a lot of talk about the power of the Nintendo Switch in this, not only with uh, Thursday's, but also today's meeting as well, um, and that the FTC really argued hard, stating that the Nintendo Switch was not in the same ballpark as the Xbox and PlayStation 5, and a lot of it was mostly on the merits of performance, which I think for any gamer out there, any I wouldn't even consider like a seasoned gamer. I would say your average gamer, your your person who has owned at least a couple consoles, though, understands what each console is capable of and where mm-hmm. the strengths and weaknesses lie at for each of those consoles. We all know that if we go pick up a Nintendo Switch, we're going to get great first-party titles from Nintendo like Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, Super Mario games, just just to name a couple. Um, but we know, of course, some of the limitations that come with any of these harder-hitting AAA titles. Like, for example, Resident Evil 3 had to be a part of that cloud streaming option. Um, we also had, of course, some cutbacks on things with, like, Overwatch going over to it as well, too. Um, you know, the, the list can go on. All I'm saying, though, is that I think as gamers, we understand exactly where the where the actual separation is at with it, but not enough to separate it to say that they're all completely like different things in that case. They are all video game consoles. The PlayStation 5, Xbox Series line, and the Nintendo Switch are all consoles. And they all just do things a little different than each other. That's that's really what it comes down to. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, carrying on, of course, more of the things here, uh, there were, I guess, some comments that were made by, um, uh, the head of Xbox's, uh, gaming divisions, or at least the, the gaming studios, Matt Booty, apparently in 2019, he had actually talked about, um, making sure that first party IP would not show up on competing, uh, streaming services. So basically a lot of the stuff that what we've now seen is, flipped to 180 with Microsoft signing deals with NVIDIA for GeForce Now to get Xbox uh, first-party titles on their streaming service, as well as several others, too. Um, Of course, there was a lot of that brought up, and uh, Matt Booty's argument here, of course, was he said, I was frustrated at the process. We did not have clear details in place with NVIDIA for the use of RIP. They were putting games on uh, onto our service in some cases, without our permission. I think there's something wrong there, but we all know there was a issue that happened where Activision Blizzard actually forced NVIDIA to pull all of the Activision Blizzard titles off of GeForce now because they didn't have proper licensing. They had stuff for their beta test and such, but once they went full production, those licenses didn't count anymore and those games got pulled. And so I think that's what happened is that there were Xbox PC games that were in that same fold too that ended up getting pulled because they they broke the terms and conditions of that licensing agreement. Uh, carrying on, of course, on more stuff. There's at least talk about kind of making comparisons to like the streaming wars, uh, like comparing like Disney Plus to Netflix, talking about um, the way that Disney was able to ramp up their library quickly because, of course, how many titles, how many properties they have in their uh, back pocket. And, of course, there's the idea that that would make Activision Blizzard games, um, you know, it was or that might potentially make Activision Blizzard games exclusive in one way, but not necessarily, of course, the final nail in the coffin of that being the case. Um, of course, I, I, as I'm, I'm scrolling through this, of course, trying to go back through some of this. I, I went through all of this, but 
Um, there's definitely a lot that they went over here, though, so I want to make sure to hit some of these things. A uh, couple of the big things, though, of course, too, is that Redfall got an absolute beating, though, in the hearings as well. Yeah. Uh, because Redfall was originally supposed to be uh, cross-platform. It was supposed to release on PlayStation. However, it did not. Mm -hmm. And that was removed and put into being exclusive on the Xbox uh, consoles as well as on PC. And it turns out that um, there was talk about... Um, it being a triple A title, and apparently there was some talk there about uh, like being some differences of opinion, and that came from uh, the head of Bethesda, Pete Hines, actually saying, yeah, he said there might be some differences of opinion on whether this meets the standard uh, for like triple A, and that's basically a pretty big diss against Redfall right there. So that kind of sucks though too. But I mean, that I I, I feel like is kind of them recognizing it internally before it even hit the shelves that. You know what? What they were putting out was not what what they were expecting. You know, it wasn't the quality that they were expecting to put out. Um, and I, I mean, even even Microsoft has gone back and looked at it and said, you know, this isn't really, you know, the the quality that we we typically put put out. And we we apologize for that. So I, I, I mean, that that's kind of. Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a negative hit against them because they, they did recognize that beforehand. That's so. true. That's true. But it is kind of crazy, though, that now is a part of a court record that Redfall is kind of garbage. So, I mean, it's kind of funny, but I kind of sad at the same time, too. Uh, another thing that I was also hearing was that um, there, there was a possibility that uh, Starfield was potentially being developed as a um Sony exclusive and when uh Phil Spencer had heard this that's what had originally um prompted the Bethesda buyout but I don't know if that's necessarily hearsay or if that was actually court record or not that actually was yes that was actually oh, brought okay. up during today's record. portion of the hearing yeah um, yeah cuz yeah. I want to say it was late in the the day if if so, if nothing else yeah, that Wasn't was actually a, yeah, that was actually a part of today. Um, I'm trying to actually find the note here so I can read back to you exactly what it said. I remember reading about that part though. Um, where is it at here in this one? You got to forgive me for like basically horrible notes here that I don't actually have. I guess, uh, but yeah, it was definitely talked about today that it was supposed to be an exclusive one on PlayStation. That I guess apparently Sony had um, been talking about it with them, and yeah, here it is. Uh, so Microsoft's Xbox chief, so this would be Phil Spencer, has revealed one mm -hmm. of the key reasons behind the acquisition of Bethesda parent company ZeniMax, potential Starfield PlayStation exclusivity. Uh, so speaking at the hearing today, Phil Spencer revealed that Sony regularly pays competitors to skip our platform. And we know this is true as well, too, especially with the leaks from the uh, Capcom hack uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and Microsoft felt it needed to own Bethesda to compete. And here's he goes on to say, when we acquired Zenimax, one of our one of the uh, impetus for that is that Sony had done a deal for Deathloop and Ghostwire to pay Bethesda to not ship those games on Xbox. So the discussion about Starfield, uh, when we heard that Starfield was potentially also going to end up skipping Xbox, we can't be in a position as a third place console where we fall further behind on our content ownership. So we had to secure content to remain viable in the business. So they're basically saying that they learned about uh, the. Uh, they basically learned about the way that the uh, deals for Deathloop and Ghostwire went that Starfield was going to go the same way. And of course, now we know that we can play Deathloop and Ghostwire through Xbox. Um, but yeah, Starfield apparently was going to go that route, though, too. And Microsoft didn't want to do it, especially with the history that Microsoft and Bethesda have for all the Elder Scrolls games and a, a bunch of other titles, though, too. It just it made sense. Um, yeah, it made sense, though at least for them to go and purchase that, to be able to pad themselves with exclusive uh, exclusive titles. Yeah, and I mean, when especially when you look at all the exclusives that, that Sony has anyway, and I mean, we haven't even uh, brought up the, the major thing that, that Spencer said, I mean, outright, that he believes that Microsoft has lost the console wars. And I mean, that, that that being part of court record is just crazy. The fact that, you know, someone actually 
acknowledge the console wars outright in a legal proceeding and and saying that you know we're 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 third in line there there's no way they can compete with Nintendo and and Sony and you know especially with the exclusives that I, um each of those companies has and and Sony especially when you look at like how big the Last of Us fl- franchise has blown up recently and I mean Halo for for Microsoft yes but let's let's face it Halo's had it, its faults and it's it's tripped a few times because of you know games like uh what was it uh it was it Halo 5 uh that that had lock in it that it, it's they don't even really acknowledge it as being part of the the history anymore um or maybe they do I don't I don't know um and then the the TV series is that still going on? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, it just That's a great it, question. You you don't hear about it. I'm I, like people are still talking about The Last of Us. How many times have they released the first game and they've still had extreme success with every release of it? Um, re-releasing it on PS4, um, then re-releasing it on PS5, remastering it on PS5. And it, it it's it's just insane. And then not to mention all the uh licenses Sony's been hanging on to that we've talked about in the past that they, they still have done nothing with yet. Uh the Kill Zone franchise. Um Resistance. Uh Resistance, yeah. It it's insane the, the amount of uh IPs that they haven't even touched that they, they could go back to and fans are still clamoring for. So, I mean, for them to, to make such a big fuss over one company that really and truly, other than Call of Duty, it's a minor thing. And for them to, to you know, raise such a fuss out of Call of Duty when they know they're going to have it already, it's just bizarre at this point. Oh, well, it gets better at least on that part here. So from yesterday's portion of the hearing... Um, apparently, this is where it gets interesting, is that Activision actually forced Microsoft into a new Call of Duty revenue deal. So Sarah Bond, who is um, another one of the heads of the Xbox team, uh, mm-hmm. she was up on the stand, and here's what The Verge had to say. Uh, they said, Sarah Bond is detailing how Microsoft had to agree to a new revenue share deal with Activision to get Call of Duty on the Xbox Series S and X consoles. Activision refused to agree to prepare its Xbox dev kit work and hinted that it had a different, a different, excuse me, revenue share with PlayStation. Uh, Bobby Kotick wanted Microsoft to agree to a new revenue share deal before work begun on Call of Duty for the Xbox Series S and X. And uh, Sarah Bond goes on to say it was clear that Call of Duty would be on PS5 and that it would not have been good if it was not also on Xbox if it was launching at the same time. Uh, so apparently. There was also some bidding on marketing deals as well, too, for Call of Duty, but Microsoft decided not to do it, and that's why we didn't see anything about Call of Duty in some of these uh, Xbox showcases, the Xbox uh, streaming events and that showing off games and and uh, other things there. So apparently some of those agreements must still stand because I don't think I've seen anything that's been like an Xbox showcase that has had Call of Duty content in it. Yeah, I, I don't believe I have either, at least... Not any time recently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, carrying on on a couple other things here, though, we'll try to get through the rest of these here with with relative ease. With relative ease, excuse me. Um, so apparently, Microsoft was actually working on making Xbox Cloud Gaming a separate, dedicated product um, instead of being a streaming option that was actually built into what we see now uh, onto the Xbox uh, with the phones and such. Instead of it being a built-in, it would be a standalone product. Um, however, they went ahead and decided to go ahead and shut it down because, of course, they. it, it sounds like there's some stuff kind of being leaned into that it may have been due to the uh, the intent to acquire Activision Blizzard and, of course, potential concerns there. But there were some other things talked about that it also involved the level of operational cost to actually get something like that up and running, because obviously we saw what happened with Stadia. Um, yeah. One of the big things, though, of course, too, is that uh, they even admitted as well that 
there are problems enough with trying to stream games to certain devices, like mobile devices, where text might end up being too small and you run into accessibility issues with that, um, that it's definitely proven its case. The the xCloud stuff has proven its case with, uh, with being able to be used on console and on PC for demoing games. So before you go and install a game completely to your to your uh, computer or to your Xbox, you can go and try out the game through cloud streaming without any impact to your storage use. Um, of course, a lot of the concern anyway, not just even with operational, is also, of course, about latency too. So especially any of those key games that people might want to play, uh, such as like Call of Duty, for example, or any of the fighters, especially because of Street Fighter Six just having come out, uh, that that latency is key. And anything higher than what we'd expect being at home is going to cause a problem. So that's why they've basically been, it's kind of not necessarily been at the forefront of everything, but it's still available because it still has a use somewhere. So, right. yeah. Um, moving on through other stuff, of course, uh, here in day two, of course, uh, Phil Spencer really took the, uh, the brunt of everything. He was definitely at the, uh, he was definitely the big one at the uh, table today. However, they did have a talk with a. This was an interesting one, just to mention. Uh, they actually did talk to a uh, to Jamie uh, Lover, who is a senior finance director at Xbox. However, they kicked out all of the press and sealed the courtroom, primarily because they were talking financials, and of course, that was stuff that wasn't going to be available to the public. So we weren't going to hear about revenue share. We weren't going to hear about uh, money and all that as it relates to the, these consoles. So unless somehow that stuff leaks out, we're not going to know. So, right. yeah. Um, of course, there is talk again. Like I said, there was talk earlier about the uh, uh, the Switch and, of course, the power behind it and talking about how they're going to be able to potentially produce a Call of Duty title for the Switch, given that Microsoft did sign a 10-year deal with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to the Switch. Uh, there's concerns, of course, about how they're going to be able to develop that and actually get it working, because the understanding, of course, is that the Switch is, has lower power uh, or lower performance on it than its its uh, rivals. At the same time, um, it's also the fact that they may have to completely develop a whole new game to meet those target performance metrics to be able to make it playable on the Switch. So that's one of those things. It's just they, they really focused a lot about that with the... Uh, uh, See, and I, I don't know why there's so much focus on the Switch because I, I think, I think one of the reasons that uh, Sony is specifically targeting the Switch when they, when they continue to talk about the, you know, producing games for other consoles and and such, is the fact that I don't think we have much more lifespan in the Switch. Maybe Nintendo does, maybe they don't. I, I don't know, but um, I, I feel like. We're we're getting ready to move into a different console generation for Nintendo, um, and the the Switch is is not where it's gonna be in you know by the time this Call of Duty comes out. Now maybe it'll be a Switch Two, or you know maybe it'll be something else. But I I feel like it'll be the next Nintendo console, and that's really where they should have focused on. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple of the other things too that were talked about here. Um, let's see, where was it? Um, apparently Microsoft did actually consider skipping PlayStation for Activision content. Um, it was a question that was brought up by a lawyer for the FTC and, uh, Phil Spencer went on and said, I don't remember a, a specific conversation, but it would seem like a normal conversation for us to have. So there was at least that question that came up there because the FTC would really want to make sure and want to know. Uh, whether that asset might have a certain value to it that outweighs the actual economics at the end of it, um, whether or not that that actual value of that um, game uh, or like the value of that property ends up providing, how do I want to put this? Um, huh. I'm not really sure exactly how best to explain this. So I guess basically, like, I'll go with, like, what um, The Verge here said. So what would Microsoft do something like make Activision games exclusive to Xbox as a strategic play, even if the economics might not make sense? Because obviously, 
by them making an exclusive title, you know, it might be strategic because it bumps them up, but at the same time, it brings them down because now that's lost revenue from not being on other platforms. That's the best right. way to put it. No, that totally makes sense too. I mean, um, really and truly, it's it it's shutting them out. But I mean, by shutting them out, they're cutting off their own revenue by doing so, and it could, in the long run, actually end up hurting Microsoft. Not necessarily in just in the revenue uh, area, but also in the fact that it could. Uh, force Sony's hand to, you know, purchase another company that that might eventually um, hurt Microsoft in the long run, or they could produce a whole new game series that, uh, or get exclusivity for a game series that that could hurt Microsoft in in the long term. Which there have been cases like that, of course, though too. But right, needless to say, um, a couple other things at least of note here. Uh, so my, uh, Microsoft was considering making Minecraft uh, Minecraft Dungeons an exclusive game for the Xbox and PC. However, that did change, and it did ship across all the different platforms. Um, Sony apparently did hold back PlayStation 5 dev kits for Microsoft and Mojang to be able to make Minecraft, uh, specifically a version that would run better on the PlayStation 5. So the version that's on PS5 right now is just a port of the PS4 version. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's see here. Where are the rest of these notes at? Blah, da, 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 da. There we go. Okay. Because there were a couple other big things, too, because they did talk to well, a lot of people. Well, and the whole thing with uh, Sony holding back PS5 dev kits uh, from Mojang, that, that's really on Sony. Sony should know that, you know, Mojang kind of operates, at, you know, as, as its whole almost entire separate entity even though that microsoft does own them um but to to that avail minecraft is like one of the biggest games for kids like all kids are seem to have you know at least a, a short-term obsession with with minecraft at some point even still today so by by cutting that out or you know by by limiting themselves to the uh the ps4 version that's really on Sony. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. That's their own fault for not doing that. But I guess in the sake of IP, you got to protect what you've got. Uh, there was eh. also, yeah, I know. There was also talk though too. Uh, Phil Spencer actually, even after all the talk saying that Elder Scrolls Six was going to potentially be an Xbox exclusive, it turns out that um, Phil Spencer won't even confirm it if it is going to be an Xbox exclusive. He goes on to say, I think we've been a little unclear on what platforms it's launching on, given how far out the game is. It's difficult for us to nail down, uh, or difficult for us right now to nail down. It's so far out, it's hard to understand what the platforms will even be at this point. So he did give, of course, an interview at one point in time several years ago about the exclusivity part of it, but it sounds like we may likely just, we may see it go across the board, though, now, instead of it just being on Xbox and PC. Uh, a very interesting thing here, though, came up, Kyle, is that he actually swore under oath, Phil Spencer did, that he won't pull Call of Duty from the PlayStation 5. But here's what he said, though, okay? And, and The Verge really made sure to emphasize this. Phil Spencer says, my commitment is and my testimony is that we will continue to ship future versions of Call of Duty on Sony's PlayStation 5. And The Verge goes on to say, it is perhaps worth specifically noting the 5 in the oath. So think about that. Well, I mean, especially with Sony saying that they're, they'd be, you know, withholding PlayStation 6 consoles, that might have been something that, you know, was said behind closed doors uh, between, you know, a attorneys trying to settle some sort of, you know, disputes before any sort of litigation occurred. And that, that, that could go back to that. So... The, the fact that, you know, Sony's going to be holding back on, you know, providing any future dev kits to, to Activision if there was a, a Microsoft buyout. I, I think that that's kind of a jab maybe towards that and maybe knowledge that Sony was already going to say something about that or, you know, yeah. had already said something about that at, at that point. So, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, of course, a couple other things that came out is that Microsoft, before Take-Two did it, is that they were going to try to pick up Zynga. So that would have been an interesting one to see, is Zynga underneath uh, um, the house of Bill Gates. Um, 
of course, the other thing, too, is that there's talk about the mobile stores and making sure that Xbox games could be available on those mobile stores. We've we've heard rumors that Microsoft, of course, wants their own Xbox storefront on mobile devices like on the uh, like on iOS and Android. Um, but one of the big things, though, that they run into is the problem more specifically with Apple than they do with Google, because Android, you can sideload any store you want to on to your device. You don't have to necessarily stick with pulling things from the Play Store. Um, of course, Google mm-hmm. obviously provides, you know, like a, a level of caution that says, you know, you risk uh, malware and such here and so on. But of course, it's your choice to install it. No problem. Uh, but Apple, on the other hand, everything is locked down tightly, or at least it is for now. So uh, Phil Spencer goes on to say it's competition for their control in the largest gaming platform. Uh, These are games that players want to play. We have a delivery mechanism to deliver games. They choose to block it. And so he's, of course, really emphasizing on Apple on how they're not able to really do a lot. Like one thing when the Xbox cloud streaming came to iOS devices, um, Apple was originally going to require them to basically put every single game through the review process as an individual app instead of just being one one uh, storefront, I guess, so to speak, where you could go through all the games that were in cloud streaming. Now what you have to do to play those games on an iOS device is you actually have to go through Safari to the Xbox cloud streaming webpage, sign in with your Xbox profile, and then uh, create effectively an icon that represents that web page to let you go through and play those games. So that's what I have to do on my iPad, for example, to play to play games through Xbox Cloud Streaming. I don't have a dedicated app for it. What a pain in the butt. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> as I talked about previously, though, with that email, too, and we're already at the half hour mark here with the the uh, podcast. Now. We haven't even gotten through everything yet. Um, Phil Spencer actually said he had a call with the CEO of Sony, um, Kenichiro uh, Yoshida, apparently after the announcement was made uh, of the deal, and he said he got positive affirmations from Yosh- uh, Yoshida-san, um, and then he had a slightly longer call with PlayStation chief Jim Ryan, but he said the outcome was similar. Uh, Phil Spencer goes on to say he understood our rationale behind the deal. I think the email exchange showed uh, he understood this was not about PlayStation. So obviously, of course, some other things there too. Um, trying to think of what else here there's a lot of course talking about uh how acquisitions work it seems like phil spencer really kind of had to to basically reteach the ftc how these acquisitions work um they did actually talk to uh the former stadia product league uh dov zimring uh they actually made it clear of course why stadia was shut down it was just because they didn't have enough content and of course that they didn't understand what the cost was going to be to actually make games for stadia because they did buy a couple studios, but things didn't end up actually working out. Right. And uh, that's where I'll wrap it up right there. So we're at the end of day two. There is going to be more stuff day three, which will be uh, this next Tuesday. The Verge is going to resume their live blog at uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. And we will, I guess, carry on with next week's news. Uh, just filling you guys in on what we learned on day three stuff. But some crazy things came out of that, didn't they, Kyle? Oh, definitely. It, it just in the, in the two days so far, it it's been insane. Yeah. It, oh my God. Yes, it really has been. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's talk about the next story here we have in the news, and that is about the Nintendo Direct from uh, just the other day. So that's right. Yeah, Nintendo had their June Direct, uh, basically kind of tying in with everything else we've been seeing getting announced this summer. And we actually got a lot of stuff announced here, Kyle. So we a got a ton of stuff announced. Uh, no <laughs> kidding, and some really big things that people are expecting. So let's just kick it off here from the list. And thanks, of course, to Games Radar for this uh, list on their biggest reveals, though. Too, um, we've got. Uh, we'll focus on the biggest reveal stuff. I mean, there, I know there's a lot of good things there in the other side things here, but let's focus on the big stuff. So we got Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Hidden Treasures of Area Zero DLC. Uh, so that provides new details, of course, on the new gym area. It looks like there's going to be some new uh, Pokemon that look like kind of those um, those Ultra Beasts or whatever they were that were introduced in Pokemon X and Y. Uh, we're going to be seeing those kind of make an appearance in here, too. Um, we've got uh, apparently a new uh, Splatfest coming up in Splatoon 3, uh, July 14th to 16th. But this time they're actually um, they're mixing up the colors now, I guess, to 
be more like ice cream colors instead. They're put it, they're saying vanilla against strawberry and mint chip. Uh of course eh. I know, yeah. I know. I mean, okay. is there any contest? It's it's strawberry all the way, but <laughs> mm, I don't know, Kyle. I think mint chip might have it. Oh what? See, yeah. that's why there's a splat fest. Yeah, exactly. Uh Detective Pikachu 2 actually did get announced as well. Not 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 the movie, but the actual game, the the sequel there has been announced as well too. Brand new mystery. Of course, Pikachu sounds like he's been smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and has a wicked <laughs> addiction to coffee. So uh, take that as you will. But yes, you will be of course playing as the uh the titular Pokémon mascot. Uh, but of course he talks like Meowth does. So enjoy that one again there too. Kyle, now the big one though, of course. I think this is the big one that really threw everybody off. Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars remake. We are getting it back. It doesn't get old hearing it every time. I'm just so excited to to hear that this one's coming back. Like, Super Mario RPG, trying to find a cartridge now and, and play it legit is, like, almost impossible. And the fact that they... They've redone the art style, but they've they've kept true to the design of it. That's exactly it. It's just so awesome. Dude, absolutely. Like, I watched uh, Giant Bombs um, talking over the uh, Nintendo Direct, and, of course, they were all freaking out there. You know, a lot of jumping around in their seat, like, let's go! You know, a lot of that. Oh, yeah. It was was great energy to actually see that. But, yeah, of course, we get Squat Mario back, so, of course, he's in his kind of, like, squished form, but definitely in your newer graphics and such, though, too. But... Yes, it looks great. It's uh I'm trying to remember what the release date was. It's sometime this year though, I think. Yeah, no, it's it's actually November, not that far away. November 17th of this yeah, year. Yeah, so nice holiday release there for you. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it'll be totally worth the pickup. It, I I can see this being probably one of the number one games of Christmas season. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Princess Peach actually got shown off as having her own standalone title now. Uh, the only thing that it really showed in there was a little bit of moving around and apparently uh, changing into what appears to be some sort of like maybe like ice powered dress or something like that. Um, I know the giant bomb guys made fun of her making her look like Elsa, of course, from Frozen. But that was all they showed, and then that's it. No name, no details yet. They basically are just like, we're going to give you a tease of this, but we're not going to tell you any more yet. You'll just have to wait. Uh, If you're a fan of Luigi's Mansion and you played Dark Moon on the 3DS, it's getting a remake to be uh, and getting re-released on the Switch, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, The Batman Arkham games are going to be actually making their way to Switch this year, though, too. That includes Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and I believe they had Arkham Knights in there, too. They did. Um, I think it, it'll be interesting to see what Arkham Knight um, looks like on the Switch. Um, of course, City and Asylum were both on the PS3 360, so we know those will look phenomenal on the Switch anyway. But um, uh, what was it? Uh, Arkham Knight, that that one was stricken um, at release, uh, both on console and especially PC, with all sorts of bugs and I, I want to say PC version was almost completely unplayable for years um, before it finally got fixed. So that that one will be definitely interesting to see how it functions on the Switch. Yeah, I think so. I, that's going to be an interesting one because the video that they actually showed of gameplay in the uh, Direct, you could definitely see the graphics had a dialing back. Like mm-hmm. you could definitely tell there was something different about it, but with what gameplay you could see it definitely seemed like it was just fluid enough to work so i think everything's going to end up holding itself pretty well on the switch for those titles and arkham asylum great game you know that very great game and it came out at the perfect time and i think it's just it'll be a good one to have for people especially on the switch who haven't played it yet or have not played it in so long they just want to play it again oh for sure yep uh we had more details of course on pikmin 4 two uh we also like we got details of course uh we got info through the gameplay we got uh talking about interior and underground areas uh there were also some reveals of some other new characters as well too i'm trying to remember exactly what they 
talked about with this one all the way. But yeah, they had some sort of like fuzzier looking character that was in there too. Let me see if I can find the actual detail on that again. Let's see here. Thank you, IGN. Was it the uh, dog or? No, it wasn't the dog. It was some other type of little creature there. Uh, some other little Pikmin instead. Um, oh. Yeah. And then there's one other thing they actually showed off in there too, which was funny, was something called Dandori Battles. Try to collect more objects than your opponent within the time limit to win and save the castaway. Huh. Yeah. But the cool part, though, as well, is that because, you know, everything kind of took place in the daytime because, you know, plants need sunlight and that you actually get a uh, you get night expeditions in in Pikmin 4, too. So, right. Right. Yeah. I can't. That, find... That'll be kind of cool. And and to see. So, yeah, which at night you'll also get new uh, glow Pikmin to help you navigate around, too. But oh, if you want to okay, see what cool. Pikmin 4 is going to be like, there will be a demo coming out on the eShop on June 28th. And then, as of the uh, uh, as of the um, the direct, which was June twenty first, Pikmin one and two are available in the uh, eShop. So, if you want to go and pick those up, you're more than welcome to, of course. But then they will be dropping a physical version if you're a fan of physical ones on September twenty second. Right. So. Keep your eye um, out on those ones, but then let's see what else do we have here in the list. Ooh, yes, of course, Metal Gear Solid uh, Master Collection uh, that's coming out in October to the Switch. Um, that one will have what was it? Uh, Metal Gear, uh, Snake's Revenge, and those are original NES titles. Yep. Yeah. Um. Uh. As well as Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three included into it. Unfortunately, there was some information that was released after the Direct about the title's release that a good chunk of it will be download, unfortunately. Basically, um, the uh, NES games will be on there and enough to access the menu, and pretty much all the other titles will be downloads. Which... I guess. I mean, I can't imagine those games being too terribly big anyway. I mean, I know that, of course, like, you know, the first Metal Gear Solid title came out on the PlayStation, so it shouldn't really take up much space anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're starting to get into Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, which were on the PlayStation 2, that's where you're now going to start to get into some of those storage constraints potentially. So I can imagine why, especially with what could potentially be on the cartridge. But we'll see exactly how things fare there. Uh, Kyle, for right. you and I, I know we were giddy about this, was Vampire Survivors is going to the Switch, but they now oh, introduce yeah. local co-op on there. So now you don't have to go around, you know, using your own abilities. Now you can get people to come with you and use their abilities in tandem too, especially, you know, maybe you have a chance to actually take down the Grim Reaper there at the 30-minute mark. Yeah, because I still have not managed to uh, kill the Grim Reaper as of yet, so... That's the only thing I haven't done, I think, in that game. I'm just working through all the levels at this point with every character. And I, I get through, you know, a bunch of levels, and then all of a sudden a new character pops up. So, Isn't that great? Isn't that just fun yeah. when that happens? Yeah. I've got all the characters unlocked on mobile now. I've got everything basically going there. I just I haven't touched it in forever just because it does become discouraging sometimes. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, if you're a fan of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, though, there is uh, Wave 5 coming out, which adds PD Piranha, Wiggler, and Kamek as new drivers. Um, and then, of course, we've got another WarioWare game coming out as well. I know a lot of people are excited about WarioWare titles. It's called WarioWare Move It. And that one puts a lot of emphasis, unfortunately, Kyle, on moving with your Joy-Cons in your hands. So you won't be able just to sit there and move the joysticks around and hit buttons and that to specific timings and that. You will actually have to get up and move around with your Joy-Cons to to play the WarioWare minigames. Yeah, I I mean, is it so bad, though? I Nintendo's always been innovative about trying to get people to, to get up and be active while playing the game. So I, I think WarioWare is the perfect title to, to do some of the, that zany stuff with. I, I know they did also announce later in the uh, show the... Um, or they... They had a uh, showing of the, uh, what was it, Everybody 1-2 Switch, uh, where they had like 100 people on stage or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, that's um, right. 
and that that that's that's cool and all, but I Wario is one of those iconic characters, and the WarioWare were they were just zany fun games, and I I, I think it is perfect for that format, really and truly. Yeah, it probably is. I just know there are some people who like the WarioWare games but don't want to do all the movements and stuff. So maybe there's a way to to get around that or something. I don't know. Uh, right. Yeah, of course, there was some talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, the thing, though, of course, that they talked about was just kind of the runaway success that it was, but it's a Legend of Zelda game, so it's not a shock. Uh, what they did announce, though, with it, too, was something that had leaked out thanks to a data miner and now, of course, is official, is there are Zelda and Ganondorf Amiibos that are going to be dropping this holiday season, too. So if you're an Amiibo collector like you, Kyle, then I guess there's a couple for you to grab. Oh, man. A couple another uh like 16 dollar amiibos that just sit in the box <laughs> exactly exactly and then of course the last big reveal that there was and they saved this for the very end super mario brothers wonder so basically we're going to get a 2.5 d side-scrolling mario game and it's a brand new one it's coming out october 20th however this is a very different game where you could say that Mario's almost on an acid trip in some parts of it. It looks so cool. Um and just some of the visuals are so stunning. Like it, it's like they took everything that they learned from so many years of the Switch and they just applied it to a 2.5D Mario and they they gave it the uh Mario Galaxy 2 um treatment i feel like just how how fresh and and everything looked in in mario galaxy um they that's what this is yeah it it really is it seems like they took a lot of those lessons learned but in regards to the acid trip comment this relates back more to the new power-up that's in there which appears to be called a i can't remember if it's wonder flower or wonder seed i think it's wonder flower and what that does is that basically trips out the entire world. So you'll actually have warp pipes that will come alive and will start to kind of mm-hmm. bend and wiggle all over the place. And there will be new, like, different style, like, coins to pick up around there uh, that those can help you get to. Um, and at one point there at the very end, for some reason, Mario takes a power up and turns into a walking, like, a, a bipedal elephant. Well, not biped, yeah. whatever, just walking on just the two legs. That's it. But yeah, he becomes a Mario elephant. And I, I don't, yeah, an I don't anthropomorphic know. Mario elephant. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so apparently that. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be co-op as well, too. So you'll be able to play with uh, Peach, Daisy, Toad, and Luigi uh, with playable characters. And then, of course, uh, Yoshi will also be in there, too, as a playable character. So be on the lookout for that again on October 20th. Heck yeah. And of course, that's really the high level on the bigger reveals from the Direct. If you want to see all the other stuff that was announced, though, too, be sure to go watch the Nintendo Direct on the official Nintendo uh, Nintendo channel over on YouTube. Now, of course, let's move on here to the next little bit of news that we have. And I definitely know I'm going to need to start monitoring uh, my kid playing Roblox a little bit more than I have been. Roblox is oh, starting dear. to allow 17-plus rated experiences with violence, blood, or crude humor. And that, of course, is the title of this article from Video Games Chronicle. Uh, So apparently Roblox has announced in their official blog that a new 17 plus category is going to soon be added to the game itself or to the launcher itself. Um, What they're said here in their blog is that um, the 17 plus content may contain intense violence, heavy, realistic blood, moderate crude humor, romantic themes, unplayable gambling content and or the presence of alcohol. Uh, They go on to say the fastest growing age uh, group on Roblox is 17 to 24 year olds. And in 2022, 38% of our daily active users were 17 and over as a natural evolution. We're now allowing creators to make content specifically for this audience. Uh, They go ahead and make note though, too. We want Roblox to simulate and go even beyond what's possible in the real world. For example, when a family attends a sporting event, there's something at the stadium for everyone to do, but some of these areas may be off limits to young people as they get older though, they'll be able to access those areas. And we want to replicate that dynamic on Roblox. Now the creators will be able to offer experiences for those 17 and older that feature more mature themes and storylines like in TV shows or stand up comedy. These experiences may contain more violence, blood or crude humor. So apparently you will not actually, here's at least the big thing though right now, but I'll still keep an eye on this. I know he's listening to me as well too. Uh, Players will not be able to access this content unless they verify their age by both uploading a photo of a government issued ID and taking a selfie to show the player matches the photo on the ID. 
So basically, you have to be 17 and over or over and submit this there to be able to actually make sure that you do that. Now, that is kind of sketchy from a security standpoint about, you know, uploading a photo of your government issued ID and such, you know, too, unless, you know, they've got to be using something secure to hold on to it or at least to validate that and then get rid of it. But um, I mean, that's that's kind of one of those things we're starting to see in legislation right now for like social media and that, too, that it's like kids uh, at this age will need to. Um, validate their or show that they're aged and get permission from their parents. Yeah, I I don't know. There is just so much that is sketch about this whole thing in general to me. I feel like uh, starting with the fact that it's Roblox. This is a game that was designed and primarily or its primary audience was, was supposed to be children. And now we're seeing an influx of uh, young adults and adults playing the game, and that that's just weird in and of itself. I know, now I I do know there was a gentleman that was ar- already designing a uh, shooter that was utilizing the Roblox engine, but it wasn't necessarily something that he was putting out for Roblox. But th- th- this is a whole different level of strange, and the fact that they they want to verify your um identification with an ID and a selfie that that's great and all, but you're absolutely right. It's a security risk. And I don't know, there, there's just so many hangups in this. I, I feel like beyond it being strange that, you know, that it, there's adults playing the, this game that's clearly designed for, you know, very young children um, that, that, that they need, they feel like they need to go to this extreme as a company to put out the content that's specifically tailored for these audiences that that may lie in some of the darker areas that you don't even see necessarily these games put out on like Epic Game Store or you know you actually have to activate a a specific um option that's kind of hidden on Steam to even view any NC17 games so well, so this is where I'll kind of counter you a little bit on this one is that it's like, you know, they talk about like what the 17 plus rating is here. And this kind of goes above like what the ESRB puts out um, mm-hmm. some of the stuff they've got here. Like th- this kind of relates like rated M for mature almost. Um, it, this really doesn't seem too far off from playing something almost like, you know, I look at some rock star titles, for example, like L.A. Noir would be a good example here, though, too, is that that title was rated mature as well. But there were a lot of things that happened in there that that met some of these things. Um, obviously, of course, Grand Theft Auto is another example, but that obviously takes it a little farther um, with what you can actually do in there. And of course, some of that's not even mentioned here on what, you know, what that is. But all they say, of course, is may contain. This isn't a definitive list. Um, I think one of the things, though, of course, with this that's different, though, is that, yeah, you definitely do see more kids playing Roblox than anything else. There definitely is an adult segment, like an older segment to this though that does play some of these games because you got parents who play with their kids you've got some people who do play you know on their own just because there is some goofy stuff i mean like look at fall guys for example there are some things replicated in roblox that people have done the other part though that is that it's also from the business perspective is that they realize that a lot of the stuff in their market is tailored to kids. So a lot of the people that had been playing Roblox as kids are aging out now and moving on to things that aren't Roblox anymore, which means that their numbers are going to be going down relatively quick. And so now they're making this change where if you want to stand up this content now, you can. You'll just have to provide us this validation that you are who you are and you are as old as you say you are to be able to uh, get into this and then everything carries on but i guess it's going to depend on the quality of that content like we know what is in roblox right now we know what kids play in roblox what is this going mm-hmm. to be like though in this way like i'd have to like before i make a final judgment on all of it i'd be curious to see exactly what type of stuff drops as soon as that category becomes available like i'm curious just like can we actually see what it is before like or do we have to yeah. actually do the verification before we even can see a description you know that that's what would help, but at well, this point and, in time, I'll reserve judgment. And and maybe I'm jumping to a conclusion too, because I I've seen some of the stuff that that I I guess the the dark zones of or stories of the dark zones of of Roblox where where you know there there are people that shouldn't even be on the internet trying to talk to children, uh, talking to kids and and doing stuff, and you know. 
I, I I hear about that, and you know, I when they when they say this seventeen plus content, maybe I'm jumping too far into the conclusion, and maybe I should be viewing it as you know, it's going to be more like. I, I I guess young adult stories, or maybe uh, just more mature stories that are going to be more in line with a, a mature audience, and not necessarily sexualized or or necessarily violence focused, but actually have more more of a storyline that a, an adult would have to follow rather than just a child. Yeah. So. That's why I want to wait to see like when this goes into effect. I'm curious to just see like what the content's going to actually look like. So, right. But yeah, that is coming down the line. They said it would be coming up in the coming weeks. So, I guess just keep an eye out on there, especially as a parent, just to make sure that your kid's not trying to spoof anything and, uh, you know, carry on from there. Uh, but of course, the last bit in the news, of course, in the main stories before we hop over to quest markers here is uh, talking about. Uh, casual and social gaming. So social and casual gaming is still found to be decimating console gaming in one way or another. And of course, this comes from GamesBeat uh, talking, of course, about um, talking about all the different uh, revelations that came out of a uh, let's see, this was with uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper uh, or Price Waterhouse Coopers uh, doing their analysis of the video game market, actually showing where revenue's been at over the last several years. And, mm-hmm. of course, one of the things that was a really big takeaway here, obviously, of course, we know gaming is just going up and up and up. There's been a little bit of a lag, given that more people are back at work because the pandemic is over, in a manner of speaking. So there isn't more time to you know be home, play games. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the money's gone away. But one of the key things that's been pointed out here by several different articles was this mention of social and casual gaming. It's talking about the largest amount of revenue, though, um, for the video game market. And it's saying here in 2022, social and casual gaming revenue in the U.S. was $37.1 billion, representing 68.6% of total video game and esports revenue. And then they said year-on-year growth in social and casual gaming was 3.6% in 2022, falling from 93 in 2021. The growth rate is forecasted to increase to a high of 8.3% in 2024 and remain above 7.0% thereafter. So apparently, a lot of the big things when it comes to a lot of this right now with the social and casual games is that it really is, like, where we see social and casual definitely focuses more on what's on your phone. Like they have a whole other section in here talking about mm-hmm. mobile gaming, but they definitely talk like this definitely seems to focus more into the, the mobile environment because of course you get all of that ad revenue um, from in-game advertisements or by offering the base game for free as like, you know, doing the freemium stuff and then other levels and other services being offered as like paid functions to do. Um, you, you know, there's all those other things that drive that up. And for us playing casual titles, we're going to see that stuff sometimes, but if I, you know, it's like for a lot of people, if I don't have to pay for it and this helps me pass the time for 20 minutes while I'm on, you know, while I'm on public transport or I'm waiting at a doctor's appointment or, you know, I, um, I'm waiting with my kid at the doctor's office or at the dentist or something, you know, then, hey, whatever, that's fine, you know, or the kids playing, hell, it's funny enough to say it, Roblox on their phones out there and about in the social and casual space. So be mm-hmm. it. But it makes sense, right? Well, and. Yeah, and that's just it. It's the fact that everyone seems to have phones, and not just phones anymore. Um, we're we're now in an area where I, I I'd say a good chunk of the phones, probably over eighty five percent of phones that that people have are smartphones nowadays. So you have access to applications, internet, um, so on and so forth. You're totally connected to people and the fact is there there are so many free games out there that that have freemium services or you can pay you know five dollars a month four dollars a month and do their monthly pass or you can you know pay you know a dollar here or there to to you know get a handful of lives to just continue on it's so easy to spend you know 99 cents or you know a dollar fifty in an in-game thing that on a device that you already have where you're playing a game for free rather than have to go and buy a $500 console and then a $70 title and oh your controller broke there's another $79 on a on a controller and 
um, all of a sudden you need more memory for your system. So there's $300 on a hard drive that you've got to, you know, plug in or install in, into the unit. It just gets to be out of control, you know, and all of a sudden you need a new TV because your your TV doesn't have a strong enough output signal. So and then you need a house there's to put so that many TV factors. in. And then you need to find exactly. financing for that house. And then you have to go right. buy, you know, you have to go do all that. It, yeah, exactly. It just keeps building up where and up it, to the point where it's like you just yeah, shouldn't exist anymore, right? So so many people have a cell phone where you you can either you know just go out and get get a plan or you can just buy monthly stuff or even buy a used cell phone and you still have access to everything via Wi-Fi. You don't even have to have service for that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the big true point. Plus, the other thing to mention, too, of course, you talked about consoles, though, as well, you know, and the cost of going with something like that, you know, as we've entered in this new age of handheld devices, such as like the Steam Deck and the uh, Asus ROG that was the Ally, thing I was gonna is mention. that it's like those are great drop-ins for things like that but then you look at the size of them and having to tote them around like those things are going to fit in your pocket as well as like an iphone or a samsung galaxy you know that, yeah because i i can yeah we can we can fit our cell phones in our pockets uh i can't i couldn't even fit a steam deck in you know if i were if i was a girl i i, I wouldn't be able to fit it in a purse that's for sure especially if i had other stuff that i was already keeping in it i know i i bought one of the expensive ltt backpacks and uh, you know after my bags packed and everything with my lunch and you know a jacket and stuff for the day my water bottle i don't necessarily have room for my steam deck that thing is massive it is and that's why it's like you know yeah mobile phones and that are going to be what people play most of their stuff on of course the switch has kind of made that a little different because it is a little bit thinner than say something like the steam deck but it definitely is a bulkier mm -hmm. thing to carry with you needless to say yeah, and honestly that that's why one of my go-to's for like throwing something into a bag if i need something other than my cell phone is honestly my vita so i i leave my steam deck at home i leave my both my uh switches my even my switch light at home and i carry a vita in my cell phone man yeah first world problems right Right. <laughs> yeah. But needless to say, though, of course, it's not a surprise. Uh, there were more details, though, in the article there from uh, uh, from GamesBeat, though, of course, in regards to the other financials on things and just seeing where numbers are at and seeing like what the growth rates were going to be. But, um, you know, we really wanted to focus more on the social and casual stuff because it is it's not a surprise that it's bigger, but it's just it's neat to still talk about, though. So. With that said, that is it for the main stories for this week, and we move on to what appears to be one quest marker for this week. Kyle, take it away. Yeah, so our for our first and only quest marker for this evening, um, a fan from Nintendo bought $3,500 in Nintendo stock just to heckle them about Splatoon of all games. That's right. A fan actually spent, uh, it was 512,000 uh, yen, approximately 3,570 US dollars in Nintendo stock to buy enough shares, uh, just essentially to attend a, a shareholders meeting, uh, to heckle them about the fact that the male Splatoon characters don't have nearly as, a many, as many emotes uh, hairstyles and um, costumes as the female characters and in response um, Ninten Nintendo um, uh, wh who was it it was uh, Furukawa um, head of Nintendo right now um, responded thank you for your interest in playing our games uh, we appreciate your valuable opinion so, unfortunately, there was really nothing that that was said other than that. Uh, but this does kind of harken back to the uh, time when a fan actually purchased stock to heckle the company about if they're actually going to ever come out with an F-Zero game again. And they didn't have anything to respond. Um, kind of interesting. I don't know. Oh, man. Kind of fun. Yeah, no kidding. I think my... Me 
makes me wonder what kind of questions I could raise if I if I bought some Nintendo stock and attended a shareholders meeting. I think you'd be better off buying Sega stock and asking them when the Dreamcast Mini is going to drop. Oh dear, don't even get me started. I think it sets a dangerous <laughs> precedent, though, for gamers who think they can go buy stock just to go press all these questions instead of, you know, let the financials be the financials and not kind of press on things like this. But I don't know. I guess we'll see what the chaos looks like going forward. Right. Don't get me wrong. That that Devolver stock's gone down a little bit, and it, it's been getting really, really... Uh, it's it's looking pretty good right now to, to try and get some of that. So maybe I'll have to attend one of their meetings and see when the next Enter the Gungeon is coming out. But with that said, that is the only quest marker for this Friday evening. All right. And with that being the only quest marker and, of course, that being the news as well, that is it for the weekly news roundup for the week of June 23rd, 2023. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for this week's news roundup. Of course, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are probably on it. But if you're not sure if the platform that you like is supported, you can go find out all the different platforms we're on by visiting our homepage at anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week. Laters. <laughs>